Hello and welcome back to the Real Point Podcast. I'm Freya. And I'm Connor. And this week we are going to talk about... It's, an, it's another director's episode, yep. mostly. Mostly just because I wanted to rewatch these films while we're in quarantine. Yeah. Um, one was more recent than the other, actually. Um, whereas we both hadn't we hadn't rewatched either of these movies Since until the now. Yeah. Um, so it was good, but it's just that one of them was very recent, as of only a couple of months, a few months ago. To go, we'd seen, we'd seen. Um, our one was in fact until years and years ago. So yeah, it's uh, it's worked out quite well. <clears throat> I didn't think we expected to do another director's episode quite so soon. No, we didn't. We didn't plan on, but we were um, thinking of different things that we could do, and we both kind of wanted to do these two films anyway. Yeah. Um, we th- rather than putting it into a genre, we would just do another director's episode. Yeah. Um, because I think they both sit kind of. They're both similar in, in terms of they're to do with like folk tales and um, problems religion um, and history and history, <clears throat> but they also just fit well together because obviously they're directly yeah. One I think um, in terms of like a director's episode as well, this one's probably whereas like with Lee Wannell and stuff, it was kind of talking about like how you grow from making something kind of small and indie to making something on a big studio, a bigger studio budget, and how you sort of develop your skills from there, but. I think this one's kind of more it's more of a style thing it's more of a niche thing yes both, um, both are very sort of niche style films not that i think even this the second one is a bit more not as well known i would say in the public eye because i remember when the first one we're going to talk about came out it was quite it was it had a cinema release yeah um for a while whereas the the second one we're going to talk about didn't have well it did I, don't know, I, I feel places. the second one's more popular oh really yeah I mean I, I feel more people like meme and reference yeah, the second well, one more than the first one I mean one. I suppose we'll, we'll, people that listen to this can let us know if you've heard more about the first one or the second film yeah Yeah. so today we're going to talk about Rob, Robert Eggers yeah so do you want to talk a little bit about him um, yeah I mean uh, I guess the first one obviously we're talking about is well, we're talking about his two features so far being um, The Witch and then The Lighthouse. Yeah, so The um, Witch was his directorial debut, debut. Yeah. and The Lighthouse is the film that he followed with um, this year. Well, technically last year. I've, this year released. In my notes I literally put it down as 2019-2020. Yeah. Um, um, We've seen it in 2019. We've seen it in 2019 uh, in the States, um, but in the UK it was a 2020 release. Yeah. So yeah, so... Both are period pieces. Yeah. Um, the 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 first one, the witch, that is based in the sixteen thirties, um, and it's more of a sort of supernatural folk tale. And the second film, The Lighthouse, is based in what is the date? Eighteen ninety, and is more of sort of a drama. Would you say? Yeah. Sort of like a yep. Um, and very nautical. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good one. I mean, to be honest, like you know, um, you sort of say like a, a drama, but I'd say both of them are dramas. Both are dramas. You know, I'm not saying that the the witch isn't. Um, the, the witch just has more supernatural and a lot of folk tale. Not that because the lighthouse also has a lot of folk folklore, yeah. but mostly to do with sea sea yeah. lore um, and sailor sailor stories and stuff so we'll just sort of get into it yeah um, we're hoping that we can fit this into one episode um, I think we sort of said when we were getting ready to rewatch them that there's no point really talking about 
um, the sort of beat to beat plot stuff no. in both of them. Mostly we'll, just we'll, because we'll do a little like summary of the, the plots. Um, both films sort of have very basic plots for the yeah they do. The movie. They have very simple setups. Um, we will talk about obviously elements of the movies um, and how they're similar and how they're different and just um, yeah. So do you want to tell the story of the witch or do you want me to? Um yeah sure. Um so the witch um takes place in what did you say the year was? It is sixteen thirty. Well, around the sixteen thirties, yeah. not an exact an exact date. Um which is obviously a time for um colonialization and um sort of religious puritism and stuff. Um a relatively young family, um, with several children, a husband and wife, um, essentially get exiled from um their small um community for um writing it down. Um, the sin of prideful conceit um, and they get exiled and they decide to sort of set off and try and find a new life and a new plot of land and sort of make make their way there uh, when they get there they realise that the land is um, inhospitable, um, the crops don't yield any fruit or any veg you yep. could say um, and there's also the rising suspicion that there could be a presence in the woods um, that may or may not be a witch, a witch. Um, yep pretty simple setup really um, yeah this is the basis of the film obviously there, there's elements that progress going on but this yeah. is this is set out this yeah. is what the film is it's not both these films are sort of set in where they are so they're they're set at this house yeah. this plot of land and it doesn't really move on from there yeah. apart from going into the woods also um, very small cat which both these films haven't gone but a very small cast yes. um, second film obviously a very very small cast yeah. but this is only the family really apart from you see the community they were yeah, in yeah there's before, extras <laughs> but um that's about it so yeah it's, it's sort of it gets you character wise you, yeah. you feel like you get the characters a bit more because yeah. it is a, such a small cast it's i feel like um if we're going to talk about anything about the witch first it probably will just be about characters yeah in general. of course um, so uh, just just before we start going into it so for reference 1630 um round about that time yeah where this film is set is before witch trials yeah sort of coming into the witch trial sort mm. of era well the suspicion is there but yes, it's not no, yeah it's not 100% but it's not like this is before the Salem witch trials yeah. um so but there's a lot of this is to do with the trials of women um and sort of the witch trials that sort of element going onwards from this um so yeah character wise we have the mother um, and the father. Yep. Um, I cannot... Um, I think Will is the father's name. But, um, I can't remember, but it was only really just because um, out of the two of them, like the parents are both great, um, but honestly, a big shout out to the dad, whose mm-hmm. name I can never remember, but he's one of those character actors that you've seen in everything. I'm sure he also had like a TV ad at some point, like, because he's got a very, he's got a great voice. Like, he's got like a, yes, a real yes. jagged edge, but buttery smooth voice that you could like listen to an audio audio book yeah of. and a lot of the the audio in the film like the spoken bits mm-hmm. are from the the yeah. dad and it's it is really good and he's great i think like he really did, does give a good performance ralph as well Inson? Okay. Inson? And I, oh ralph innocent yeah. yeah um i remember him from chernobyl as well yeah um he just like he's a good character actor but he he does have like a really commanding presence oh and stuff. really nice i think um, both parents are sort of really into well the mother is more of an intense figure, yeah. and but I do the father figure. So it's William as the father, yeah, played by him, and Kate Dickey plays Catherine. Kate. Oh, is it Catherine? I thought it was Caitlin or something. No, Kate Dickey's her name. Actually. Oh right, okay, right. <laughs> plays Catherine, which right. is the mum, and then we have Anna Taylor Joy, which plays Thomason. Yeah. Which I'm gonna have to get round my tongue because I've wrote Tommen. The whole way through this, because for some reason that I'm sure was that's a Game head. of Thrones character as well. So, it is. It's all, <laughs> so I was thinking of um, a monotone, oh, a band. Anyway, then we have 
Harvey Scrimshaw, which plays Caleb, which yeah. is the older, um, the old, the oldest, oldest son. son. Yeah. And then we have the twins, who are, I'm not going to say the actor's name because they're <laughs> they're very young. So yeah. there's a, so we have Mercy and, oh God, the other one's not coming. Out. Mercy and, isn't it Jonas or something? Jonas. Oh, it yeah. is right. Okay. Yeah. I can't believe Jonas that. and Mercy. Um, there. So this is basically the the main cast of the film. Yeah. Apart from um, extras, um, that's the only really people people you'll meet yeah. throughout this. Um, if we don't reference people by name, it's just yeah. for, um, for getting through. If we say like father and mother, and you know, um, mostly the names we're going to use in this is Thompson yeah. and Caleb, who are yeah. sort of the main ones, and then the, the twins can just be references yeah. the twins because most things are both of them when they are in the scene. And Anya Taylor Joy is great. Yeah. Like, um, obviously, she's really good and pretty much everything we've not watched emma yet but obviously she's in, no really like she's in glass um she's really good no it's not glass uh, split sorry um yeah she's really um she's been doing yeah. quite a lot the past few years another thing we watched really recently that we both enjoyed was uh, thoroughbreds which she was in as well yes yes um she is really good in this film as well um i think this must have been the first time i'd ever seen her in anything um back in 2016 yeah because she, she was still quite young yeah um and she was really good in it i'd honestly the best two performances in it are um the dad and her um mm-hmm. the twins can kind of get a little bit but they are kids it's fine yeah. um caleb's a bit weak um i think for the most part performance wise um but when it matters like he gets in quite well yes and i don't know if the weakness is sort of as part of the character because y- yeah he, he sort of he's kind of the one that you feel it's a hard one right because i've written some stuff about this you feel sympathetic for him because yeah. he's obviously trying to keep his family together. He's the one that's trying to go out and you know sort yeah. things and make sure the family aren't arguing and bickering. And yeah. he's trying to sort of be a father figure, even though the father is there. Yeah. And take on roles, but at the same time he's obviously going through puberty and having been in an isolated area with yeah. his family. There's these weird elements of. Oh God, yeah. With his older sister. I just mean more like on a performance side. No, like, but I what I meant like, is that yeah, the, the the weakness. I don't know if that's just because he's sort yeah. of just playing a regular. Thing, I think it's just. I think in particular, I think about the one scene where they're like sort of in the woods with his dad the first time mm-hmm. when they're sort of like hunting or pretending to hunt or whatever, and um, he sort of has like this big speech where he sort of like asks his dad what like his sin is and stuff, and it's not like yeah. that the performance is bad. It's just that I feel like. Um, the delivery of the lines is a little bit stilty. That's not necessarily his fault because, to be honest, any like young child—I don't know how old this kid is. Like, you know, I'm just gonna say maybe around like eleven or twelve. Is it like? Were you saying that it's what his sin is? Is that what the? I can't remember what the scene was about. The you know scene I mean? is his father teaching him religious. Yeah, but mind, but he has he ha- he sort of doesn't shout at him, but he sort of like pleads with him quite desperately to like you know. Do you remember that bit? You know. I think so. Yeah, and he's like, tell me, like, you know, whatever. Like, you know. Oh, okay, right, right. yeah, it's, after, it's after the... the t- yeah, yeah, okay. It's the delivery of those lines and stuff like that that sometimes I feel that it's just mm-hmm. a little bit wooden. But that's not a problem because, again, like, the dialogue is obviously written in such yeah. a way that is accurate to the time period yeah. it's taking place in. Which and, I get, because it's kind of a shame because, as you say, when it matters... He's like, great. The, yeah, the possession scene? Yeah. I don't, I don't really know what you'd call that scene. That's um, what I would have called it. It's that, his performance obviously yeah. that kind of ups it at that point yeah. and there, yeah, there are elements but I think it is also hard um, with actors like the mother and the father yeah. um, and Thompson yeah. are such powerful characters yeah. in this, he, he does kind of even though he's the main character yeah. fades slightly I think it's mostly just the fact that the dialogue is very wordy like mm-hmm. even if you're like, you know well well versed in the English language this is like learning something from like centuries ago 100%. Um, and it 
at times can be a little bit obtuse like if you're not too familiar with kind of like sharp hands of it then it can be a little bit hard to follow um but honestly like good on him for any child like taking that sort of script reading it and actually being able to at least say it without yeah. like something so like good for him i mean um, even the, the even younger the twins yeah absolutely like the the song they sing to black <clears throat> philip which mm. is an old it yeah. is an old like sort of period of language but like that's quite you know interesting. yeah absolutely um but, so like for the most part like you know good on them and stuff yeah. it's a it's very obtuse script i mean speak, yeah speaking of the the text it's all sort of historically accurate yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, the dialogue um, the director really went out of his way to study a lot of work to see about the, the language um, and also the language like the film The Witch um, is spelled V-V-I-T-C-H and that's because W wasn't in the, the language at that point Yeah. Um, so that would be sort of you know um, just little elements uh, and it's from that you sort of see how much this director really takes pride in making sure things are yeah. like um, you were saying there was a, a history um, person on set yeah there was a historical advisor uh, yeah, yeah, yeah so like things like that they, they really are trying to do yeah, it absolutely. and it does come across really well there's a lot of people came out after this came out and says that this is probably one of the best yeah. um, like accurate I'm sure there's probably like people on like YouTube and stuff who like will probably like more accurately explain like sort of the historical context mm-hmm. of it and stuff as well. But I think you know, um, I don't know what the sort of production time on it was, but if you're even to look at it between like The Witch and The Lighthouse, for example, it was um you know say three four years, um, and that's like that was four to five years. Four to five years. Oh yeah, sorry, you're right. Yeah. Um, and like that's like just enough time in the oven, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like that he sort of gets a project in mind and then he you know actually does like ample research, research and stuff no, um, and like you know so you might get like a bit of a longer time between films and stuff like even the time between like say like Jordan Peele's like Get Out and Us was relatively short by comparison mm-hmm. but the work is evident it's oh, put in um, so you know it, it makes for a real plus as well you think a lot of people would make a any kind of historically based like horror movie or whatever and then just kind of put a couple of those and these mm-hmm. in it and then just kind of call it a day but yeah, he but really does go really the extra mile i mean yeah even the the clothing like everything down to sort of exactly how it is yeah i mean as well um for this to be like a direct a debut film yeah with the subject matter it's like it's amazing like yeah. it's great it's, it's always good to see sort of new things come out especially for a, a first time film um but yeah so I don't really know where to say. So another thing that I want to point out to do with both films, not point out, but a huge element of it is the the sound. Yeah. Which I absolutely love. Um, the second film that we're speaking. To, I mean, have we said what the second film is? Yeah. Yeah, we have. Right. So, The Lighthouse. I absolutely adore the like the film score for The Lighthouse. I think it's absolutely incredible. Like I could genuinely listen to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's um. It's so well done. Um, they obviously have a great sound team on board. Um, the two differences um, with the the witch, um, it has a lot of sort of I don't know, like chorus, like chanting. Yeah. Um, what would you call that? Like. Well, yeah, I would just say. Yeah, like a chorus of sort of like witch chanting. But it also has instruments thing. in it more yes, than the so, other one. Yeah. So the instruments used are more like strings and violins. Yeah. Violins are a big part of it, but strings mostly. Yeah. Are a huge part. Whereas the lighthouse has no strings, yeah, um, specifically like absolutely none. It's more horns and um, like woodwind. Yeah, not even woodwind, but just more yeah, like uh, percussion and horns. Yeah, um, so like they're drastically like if if you know 
like musical elements they're very drastically different elements of uh, an orchestra um the the um, strings and violins are sort of in the higher end and the, the horns are in the lower end so i just found that really interesting yeah. um, the, the differences in sound um the elements of what's around them in the films like as in the what's it called like the sets like the sets of the films yeah the sets yeah are like used in actual place yeah I don't know what you're getting out. I don't know what the word I'm trying to get out is them. Yeah, they use actual places for their sets. They're not just like. They do it's build not, things. Right, it's on not them. a soundstage. Then. Yes, oh, right, yes. Okay, right. Sorry, yeah. the, my mind just went completely blank. Yeah. They use actually places and they use the elements around them for filming. Yeah. Um, natural light's a big thing that um, Eggers uses in his films. Um, probably not so much in the second one, though. I feel like he's probably got normal lighting involved in the second one. Sure. He does for indoors. Yeah, yeah. For outdoors, say, yeah. Um, yeah, they they use the natural light for outdoors. Yeah, um, yeah. indoors uh, definitely for the second one. They yeah. use, because it is black and white, um, and yeah. they have to use a lot more light in. Um, they did say that. Whereas with the witch, it's very natural light, yeah. and they use sort of daytime for daytime, nighttime, yeah. and then indoors it's just sort of. It's not even light. nice natural lighting either. No, it's like, very um, grey. It's great and horrible. Bleak, bleak. Don't know where the fuck they filmed it, but it's uh, it's not nice to look at. Um, it's very no. washed out and very grey. I mean, both films are obviously one being black and white, but you yeah. can imagine even if it was in colour, it'd be very grey yeah. anyway. Um, but yeah, the witch is sort of very grey. Um, especially with an environment that can't grow crops, yeah, it, it makes it look even more grey because you're not there's not crops and growing. there's no colour, yeah. Yeah. Um, even like the clothes are washed out and stuff, and that's fine because that's just kind of accurate to what mm-hmm. it was like and stuff at yeah. the time. I think like you know sort of going back to music and stuff as well. I'll say it, but I didn't really like the music in the Witch that much, but that's only because I don't really feel like I noticed it. No, it's it's not as noticeable. Yeah. In it. Um, I do when it's used. Yeah. When it does, it's really well used. Like it the, is sparse. The parts like... when they're they're going into the woods and you've got the chanting getting like and crescendos yeah. getting louder and louder. I think it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the strings and sort of I know that the film starts and it has strings sort of just sort of yeah. to get going stuff. Um, but it's but it isn't it sort of in a a lower range in the film. Yeah. It's not always there but yeah. when it's needed it's there and it's yeah. you know it's good whereas just even for like an almost invisible score I just don't really feel um, that I liked it as much it didn't quite punch me but I know that that was probably the sort of designed mm. intent of it but it's not the thing that I remember the most about the movie um, yes um, it, it is more so the lighthouse yeah. I remember um, it was just yeah the, the actual bits when it comes up um, I do remember very yeah. vividly um, but yes completely it's not as in, in your well, not that it's in your face but it's not as it's just, co- it's not prominent yeah yeah, yeah. and the, the witch whereas the lighthouse there's constant like yeah. even just in the background there's that constant sort of yeah. foghorn or even some elements of sound exactly <laughs> um, I mean it's almost like kind of I feel like it's almost a harder time to talk about The Witch overall because, like, I think this is one of those weird things where it's like we're going to say, oh, well, you know, we're a horror podcast mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, but these movies, although they have horror elements, aren't actually really horror so much as that they are dramas. Um, and I think I mean, there's horrifying elements. Oh, well, definitely. I yeah, mean, yeah. Obviously, we will, we will talk about the sort of horrifying elements. But, um, yeah, 100%. It is more. Especially, yeah, The Witch is more of a dramatic sort of reading, I would yeah. say, of um, your the fight with your own faith um, from the moment that they are banished yeah 
are they keep trying to keep their faith and they yeah. always say that they are very even when they got banished for pride and yeah they, they keep saying that they are very strong into their faith and they sort of force their children to be strong in their faith and throughout this film as little elements ha- happen and sort of things wear them away more and more it's a test of their faith and this is how when it chills off at the yeah. end um it's a huge element I think like you know um it's going to be fairly obvious and people have probably made this well they would have made this comparison already is that um you clearly had read The Crucible quite a few times. 100%. Um, and it's very obvious, like, even, like, that's why I noted down the exact phrase, like, um, the sin of prideful, um, mm-hmm. prideful conceit, um, because that is just what The Crucible's about as well. Yeah. I mean, obviously the witch trials and stuff are, like, a small part of it, but it's actually the main theme is, um, essentially pride and greed and, mm-hmm. um, gluttony, but only really in the sense of, like, you know, um, reputation, like, yeah. achieving that sort of reputation, maintaining it, um, how other people see you and stuff as well, yep. um, and it's it's quite obvious. Like, but to be honest, if you were making that kind of movie, it'd be almost impossible to not uh, reference or well, at least cru- have, yeah, yeah, sort That's of come across it. it at some point. Uh, I mean, I love, I've had to study it in high school, and it's one of those weird things that like <laughs> I picked up in high school, but actually ended up liking mm-hmm. normal life. I've got a copy of it on the shelf, which, funny enough, I got in a charity yeah, it's a shop. Great, great, yeah. like telling like yeah, it's it's really great. I think as well, like rather than it being solely about the family aspect being completely faithful it's like the forcefulness on their children and then whenever something goes wrong it's then the forceful of their sins like yeah. the as in the adults and the parents forcing their sins onto their children yeah. as like a sort of like an escape goat is like the blame for yeah. like what's happening especially Thompson mm-hmm. um, which is in this so I mean from not that we're going massively into plot but the, the main part of this film is obviously when Thompson's son goes missing. Thomason's son. Thomason? Tommen? Thomason's son. Tommen? No. Tom- Th- it's Thomason, but you said Thomason's son. Is it? Yeah, but it's her son. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Why do you think the mother cried so much when it's her baby? I am sure. You think she'd be a bit more emotional if it was her baby? Yeah, but she's also young. Yeah. Okay, right. She'd be kicked well, out of the family if she'd had a baby outside of wedlock in those times. Why am I thinking it's that? Anyway, so go, to go on, um, this happens, a great scene when this happens, actually. Yeah, it's uh, spoiled like by peek- all the trailers. Yes, the, the peekaboo. Um, playing peekaboo and then the baby disappears. And this is where they get the element of there's a witch in the woods that was taking them but the parents keep saying and to, to sort of help the children say that no it's a, it was a, wolf. It's a wolf that took them which could have happened I'm it, not saying it would yeah very quiet wolf <laughs> yes yes um, it's more it's not a big thing obviously because you don't leave your children out in the UK and, yeah you know, exactly not a big thing but in America um, at mostly I think it's Australia is the big place that babies have been taken by coyotes um, and in sort of Australia, oh, I don't know, probably. I'm sure there's a famous story about it was a big case whether the mother had obviously killed her child or if it was, but yeah, it turned out it was taken, but they never found anything. Yeah. Um. So I think it's more sort of in that area so you would get coyotes and stuff that do take smaller animals. Yeah. Or obviously, if a child. In Australia, it'd be a dingo. Or, or something, dingo. right? Yeah, but I don't, really I, know. I don't really know animals in Australia. Um. 
sorry to interject, but have you found this out? Because I'm, I'm raging. Well, I, I don't want to stay silent, so I was waiting until you spoke about it. Well, it's just that, you know, I'm just putting my claim in now that the child that goes missing is what is her brother, young Sam. Okay. Where are we getting at? What's, just... Wikipedia, what's Wikipedia saying? Um... Come on. Okay, no, right. Yeah, you're right. Why did I think? I don't know. Why did you think I don't that? know. That's such been, an odd thing I don't to think. know. I, like, I think it was because I'd read something and it must have been mixed up and like have read it wrong. Right, like, yeah. Sorry. Um, I, did think, I did think that was quite weird. Anyway. Redacted. Right, it, completely it, redact that back. It, it is her brother that her gets brother, taken. Sam, young though. Sam. Yes. Um, And Ugh. fuck the balls on this movie for like, um, I think, you know, I don't know what your theater experience like was when I seen it. Uh, so I don't know what your theatre experience was Awful. like when you seen it. Uh, mine wasn't particularly great either. There was clearly, like, you know, again, this is kind of the same thing with Hereditary, where the marketing is so focused on making sure that everybody knows that it's the scariest movie ever, mm-hmm. that when people actually finally see it, they're like, that was that was poorly marketed, that was advertised so wrong, it's not scary, it's boring, it's just people talking, which it is. Um, but <clears throat> um, when, you know, so when the baby goes missing, it takes absolutely no time at all for us to see what eventually happens to young Sam. Um, yeah, but this like uh, again like you know this is also kind of a problem where like we're watching this on my laptop beamed onto the TV so we can't rightfully like check the display time or the runtime of the movie mm-hmm. but I'm gonna say this is maybe like maybe 10-50 minutes into the movie and we're just kind of watching baby murder yeah I'd say maybe <laughs> push 15-20 minutes yeah at least within within the 10 to 20 minutes. terrified yeah like um, I, I am actually like I remembered the scene but I didn't remember how graphic it was until we rewatched yeah, it I remember how graphic it was but I didn't remember how quickly they came because I think that's what takes everything mm. for a swing so quickly because even in the theatre like you could hear people reacting to it because yeah. it is like it's horrifying it's horrifying I mean stuff. luckily like you don't actually see someone like yeah, stab the baby but it's, um, it's very implied it's done um cleverly enough to go around the fact you know like i think the only th- film we've ever watched it was brave enough to like flat out kill an actual child was like halloween <laughs> like oh my the God, new halloween, halloween yeah um, uh, there's only a few yeah. films um unless it's around the elements of sort of parent and child and it's sort yeah. of done in a drama way where it's to do with the, the murder or yeah. then sometimes it will but yeah it's off screen it, but it's like the the sort of connective tissue of the scene oh my God, the really bit afterwards is. when she's rubbing the baby's guts on her yeah like, skin. i wasn't really a big fan of the mortar and pestle bit to be honest like that stuff's pretty rough um again it's not like you know incredibly graphically violent but it, it fills it lets you fill in enough of the blanks to yep. make it bad enough and the fact that it happens so early um i don't know if it's maybe a sort of negative of the film overall but um it definitely comes quite early and it's great because it's a nice sort of like kick of energy but at the same time the film never really hits that hard again and I kind of wish that they either kept I mean, it at that level sometimes told the, well the sort of end scenes yeah when the father gets killed yeah. by Black Phillip and then the mother tries yeah, to yeah but nothing that horrifying and even then that's at the very very end if you know what I mean they say that it, know, it bookends it there's nothing really in the middle I'm not saying know, it always has to happen I think it's because it's, it's still kind of it's not trying to be like shocking for no, the sake of course, shocking yeah, yeah. which I think is good and it is sort of it is about the witch element of it yeah, so it's, yeah. it's even the the killing of the baby isn't trying to be absolutely brutal for the sake of killing a baby yeah. it's used so they, they can use it for their flying potions like that's the sole yeah. reason that they're killing the baby it's not just to kill a child like yeah, it no, is no. to be used so for that it's you know I know what you mean, though. Yeah. I, I know what you mean, but it, I think the little elements in it are good. Yeah. Um, there's so yeah, we get this straight from the get go. 
The Witch 100% reminds me of the woman in the room in The Shining. Yeah, kind of. I can see that. Yeah. There's the, the the elements more so. Obviously, the bit where Caleb goes into the woods and gets seduced mm. by the young witch, and then she puts her hand up, and it's yeah. an old lady hand. Um, she uh, there must be. I don't know if it, it, I'm presuming it's the same person when she like jumps into the barn with the kids when they're yes. shot in the barn. Um, and I thought it was Meryl Streep. <laughs> it does look like Meryl Streep. It does. It looks like Meryl Streep. Um, she sort of turns around and screams at yeah, them. It looks like Meryl Streep. She's drinking the milk from the goats. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so. Yeah, we have like the the witch is brought into it quite quickly because yeah, they're sort of led to believe that it could be a wolf or it could yeah. be, but then straight away you're like, oh, okay, no, there is actually a yeah. witch in the woods. Um, the family try and move forward from this element, obviously with the loss of a child. The mother takes this really badly, completely yeah. blames Tom Thomaston. Um, so everything that she tries to do to help the mother just sort of. Yeah. Shuns her off and just says like. No. And there's a point where she kind of wins as well, where she's actually like, you know, she actually kind of gets the mother's affection very briefly oh, before it kind of falls to shit very quickly. Well, again. that's after the the father admits to basically everything that she blames Tom since she says yeah. that she stole her silver cup and like sold it or she's stolen it. Yeah. And everything she's saying that she's done, the father finally comes out and admits that no, this was him. Like he sold the silver cup and all this stuff, and the mum does actually like apologize and yeah. she sort of then from then on for a very short period of time um lets her be a child again and yeah loves her. um which is a shame it's a short-lived because uh she doesn't ever do anything really no really wrong there's this constant atmosphere especially with ha- having the house surrounded by these woods yeah a big element by this director is aspect ratio mm. so the the witch was shot in 1.66 one yeah. aspect ratio um, to make the atmosphere more claustrophobic and human. Yeah. Um, the lighthouse is even more dramatic yeah. aspect ratio but um, it done this mostly because of the time that's based 1630 they didn't have the regular widescreen yeah. for films and stuff. And well they didn't have widescreen well, for have... films in 1630. No <laughs> I mean it's like no because it's a film based in 1630 it's not a film based in modern day. Yeah I know. And I'm not saying that oh yeah they yeah. had like, yeah no you know what I mean. I know um, I'm joking. But um, yeah it's very lumen and very sort of claustrophobic. There are like a lot of scenes I feel like with the music and the the trees there it does feel really sort of like you're being engulfed by um i think like you know um it you know years later um when the ritual came out and we've seen that um there's an element of the ritual that i really liked where like you know lots of wide aerial shots of like the forests Mm, and like the landscape and stuff and it was quite uh it's actually the same with borderlands as well um where it's like it almost looks like more so for the witch um it works great in those other two movies I mentioned but and The Witch works really well because it almost looks quite postcardy. like mm-hmm. not that sounds really silly but it's almost like it's picturesque enough that oh, and with the yeah. aspect ratio it looks like it could fit onto a postcard and look yeah. quite nice as a postcard there's actually I actually have written the one of the last scene when Thompson is walking into the woods and Black Phillip has fallen her mm. into the trees there's like this perfect shot yeah that could be like a painting or yeah. like well there's a lot of shots that could be paintings which um like the first witch flying looks like a painting when she's yeah. going to the top of the trees. The final scene of the witch is flying looks like, but that that one scene with like Thompson is like could be this incredible yeah. poster. Like it looks 
such a good shot. Mm. Um, so yeah, I know what you mean by the, yeah. the picturesqueness of um, the, the woods. He also likes his phallic symbols. Um, so 100% more so than so the second one. Um, but in the first one, like, you know, um, especially like when um, Caleb is walking through the woods by himself, like, it's just, especially given the weird theming of how the, you know, he's growing into Sexual his own manhood yeah. and he's kind of like, you know, being a bit creepy with his sister and stuff. But, you know, it's unfortunately a product of like, you know, the sort of environment that he's growing up in and the sort of community that he's been surrounded by. Uh, not necessarily having like sex education or understanding, you know, puberty's hard. <laughs> like you yeah. know, it's gonna be hard for anybody. Especially and being isolated that time. with just your family. Yeah, absolutely. But um, when he's walking through the forest and stuff, and it's like the thicket of the trees is like you know so dense that like he's walking through it and he's like severely dwarfed by this incredible gun that he's carrying that's like double the height of him, and it's like just such an like sort of impotent image. If you know what I mean, like there's when he sort of turns around when he hears the sound in the woods and stuff, and he's just attempting to hold this giant fucking gun and it's like yeah and just even just the trees in the background and he's just constantly like surrounded by like phallic imagery yeah. before he kind of gets the chop no, and even like the element of being sort of bewitched mm. by the woman yeah. like the whole yeah the the sexual elements to this yeah um are a big one obviously especially with being from like and as a religious uh, a religious colony when they're yeah. from and then obviously that's not before marriage that's a big big no no um he's obviously struggling with that as well but yeah the phallic imagery is a big yeah. thing obviously. probably not so much anymore after that point to be honest no, but it no. serves quite well just for yeah, like his, his own sort of character yeah. arc and stuff yeah um obviously by the time that sort of caleb gets captured like he ends up sort of being missing for a brief period then sort of returns again um kind of he re- comes back naked and like covered in cuts and scratches yeah. Um, and then when he sort of eventually like wakes up and recovers, there's this very long extended like essentially like weird possession scene, yeah. but it's kind of hard to tell what's going on. Um, but he ends up coughing up an apple, and obviously apple being like the symbol for the original sin and stuff yeah. as well. So a bit although, of apple as well. Yeah. So. so it doesn't like, although the phallic imagery stops there, like the theming doesn't stop there. So I kind yeah. of appreciate that like he goes through a little bit extra mile to sort of like get that stuff in there because it is important overall. Yeah, the, the the little elements you've got as well, like the the chicken eggs that are mm. the the dead fetuses of the chickens and um, the goats which are only given blood not milk yeah um you have the hair the hairs are massive yeah, in this, yeah. um which going back to our wickerman podcast mm. there's a big element um in historical especially in witchy stuff mm. um that like rabbits are good hairs are bad like they're symbols yeah. of evil like omen they're like yeah. omens um of what's to come and especially in this yeah um the one bit when they're in the woods and they see the hair and they try to shoot it yeah and the dad it, i think it blows back the it's like i think the fuse like yeah. um kind of backfires into yeah. his face and then everything sort of goes wrong whenever they're around yeah um, so that's yeah the, these little elements it's nice that to sort of have them in there just yeah. to, yeah, to show but yeah they're trying to think if there's anything else big to sort of put into it oh just to talk about i don't even mind what we say about it but black philip is like one of my favorite film characters like uh he might be mine as well um, i really just want a goat is what i want like, i know um, <laughs> when we have our own like yeah. house we have to get somewhere we land so we can get a goat but i, I absolutely i mean obviously most people know now that are fans of the film he was supposedly an absolute nightmare to work with. Yeah, well, I can imagine, yeah. Um, um, it shouldn't come as any surprise. No, the the dad, supposedly, there was actually a scene in this which wasn't scripted, 
where not not the main attack scene, but where Black Phillip sort of goes against the father. Yeah. Wasn't scripted. It just went for him. Oh. And supposedly the the guy that plays the dad had absolutely hated working with this goat because the goat just had this vendetta against him. Yeah. Um. There was supposed to be three goats, black goats on set. One for um, going on his hind legs, one for rearing, actual light bringing itself up, and one for, I think, other elements. I think it was headbutting. Um, when it came to filming, they only had one black coat um, that would do absolutely nothing. Of it course, was supposedly yeah. like an absolute nightmare, and this is where black film comes from. So, a lot of the stuff that's in it is just him being a little shit, which yeah, I think mostly. is great. Um, it's actually quite funny where like you know um, when they end up like all like all the kids being uh, Thompson and the twins get like locked in the barn um, with the goats and Black Phillip um, and she says like does Black Phillip really speak to you and they just kind of like dramatically like <laughs> I mean it would be comical in almost anything else but like it sort of like pans over to like Black Phillip just sort of sitting in the thing just like chewing on some hay like just looking really vacant and just like <laughs> it's just really funny because you're just kind of like this thing really um and to be honest like you know um like the goats the goats great um the goats really enjoyable but obviously black phillips only really just iconic for the sort of like reveal towards the end yeah. of the movie which i think um, is a great reveal as well i think I it mean, is too um, it's, it's the only sort of other element that goes back to the sexually charged part of the film because you've got thompson which is she's quite a young yeah coming of age girl as well or more came of age yeah. uh, um I don't know exactly what is she's supposed to be in this. I'm but... not sure, but she's old enough to be given to another family yes. that he says when they if they're they make yes. some attempt as if to try and leave yes. and he says when we move we'll um, give Thomas into yes. another family. So you have obviously Black Phillip sort of comes out as this sort of Yeah um, big man. He the when I first seen this movie, uh, this scene actually got like a disturbing amount of laughter. Um, and I'm sure to like anybody who's probably not into horror or just wasn't enjoying the movie as a whole, they probably would find it quite funny. Even I think it's a bit weird because instead of like, you know, he sort of transforms off screen and you kind of see him in the sort of blurry background um, just out of focus. So like you get just enough visual information to realize that obviously it's not a goat anymore, he's standing on hind legs, he's sort of taking on like human elements and stuff. But um, there's a very brief bit where you kind of see him just after he moves out of frame where he's, cl- he's clearly wearing like black boots with like a red sole on the bottom of it mm-hmm. and i think that was kind of the thing it looked like it could have almost been like a circus performer or like a street performer or something yeah. i think some people kind of laughed at that i think it's great um because it is just you know if i was to ever just walk and walk through the forest in the middle of the night run to a goat that you know sort of grew into this demonic force i would expect it to be wearing some kind of long black cloak and black leather boots with fucking red soles on them yeah. like you know it just it, it reminds me of like Springfield Jack or something like you know that's yeah, the kind of thing that yeah. I would imagine it to be uh, and his voice is great um, oh the voice is great I was actually just looking up because I was like obviously he has the reference like in the film he has a oh uh, what do you mean like he has a yeah, he's like part of the cast as this guy. Oh right, but he's yeah. Cast as Black Philip. That's right. like you know. Oh okay, that right, one yeah, yeah. No, I did see that. Um, I don't know if that meant that it was like his voice or it was just a body or if it was both. I, I don't know. I don't. Um, I think I don't know if it is. I think I'm assuming it would just be both because there's I, yeah, not anyone so. else. Sort of. Um, it doesn't necessarily like you know the way that um his dialogue is delivered. This sort of comes up a little bit earlier as well, where um the mother sort of ends up kind of getting 
uh, not like possessed, but she ends up sort of getting lured to this sort of like trap. Oh, um, well, the yeah. with the kids. Yeah, thing. sort of um, by sort of breastfeeding a crow essentially. But um, it which take, is another woman. Yeah, but it takes on a voice um, yes. to sort of like lure her into that, and um, it sort of takes on a bit of a whisper. Um, it's really hard to hear for that one, but it's quite it's much clearer um, with Black Phillip at the end. Yeah. Um, but it is great. The delivery is great. Um, you know the line's great i left it on a notice board on my friend's animal crossing island the other day um and also that like i made a joke halfway through the movie where i said that the witch is basically a dark version of animal crossing yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he's living on the, they're living on their own island he's chopping wood um you know trying to grow trees but it's not taken he's paying rent to a horrible landlord yeah, i.e a goat but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um i know i love black philip in this um he is great um he is obviously kind of like a cult favorite now for a reason um, more people remember Black Phillip for doing virtually nothing in this movie more so than anybody else in this movie doing yeah, everything. 100%. I mean, as well, like this is another recurring thing is um, we have a lot of weird animal actors. Um, yeah, we, start we do to actually. Show the lighthouse, we have. Well, they're almost always the kind of an- well, I think it's a bit different for the lighthouse, but they're almost always kind of antagonists. Yeah. But with the lighthouse, it's that it's still an antagonist, but it's kind of got it holds like a power onto itself yeah. so much like it's kind of a deity in a way kind of just like what Black Phillip is too but you know it's just funny thinking about these yeah. animals as actors like, yeah I think like you know I you, can understand a trained crow and a trained goat but if someone turned around to me before seeing Lighthouse and was like oh do you want to see this trained seagull, seagull I'd be like what? Yeah. Um, yeah it's nuts um, I don't think there's an awful lot I want to talk more about the witch, but I just want to say very quickly that um, obviously we talked about the performances in particular, but um, the one bit I kind of want to highlight um, in the witch is um, when the dad has like a sort of emotional confession sort of towards the end, um, mm-hmm. where he sort of like has yeah he's chopping wood outside and it's scene. late at night and like he's just locked the kids in the barn and he kind of confesses that you know he is filled with pride and stuff and that he's led his family into this place of which there's no hope and stuff. And it's just like you know, uh, it's just it's just a really good performance. Like it just, oh, 100%. It he's really, great. Like he's so good. And all. He's like, yeah, like he's a really good dad, kind of. Like you know, there are moments where he's still a bit shitty, but like for the most part, it's most like, of the part. And he's one of like when the mum is being so awful as to Thompson, he's actually sort of yeah. there to sort of yeah, he kind scoop of like, her back up and be like, yeah. like when she's going mad at her, um, you know, when she, when she's laying it on nice and thick and stuff, he just kind of cuts it out and just says, oh, actually, by the way it was me that sold your dad's cup and stuff yeah. just to kind of like take the fire away from her and stuff uh, i mean even though he did sort of put her in the ship by yeah. sort of letting her take the blame absolutely yeah. still like yeah. like he does care to an extent as well like even um you know when the twins say that thompson's a witch and stuff and then caleb dies and she runs outside and the dad sort of comes out to <laughs> and it gets back and forth like he comes out to console her and then says, "Well, we're gonna go back home, and you're gonna go get sort of put on trial anyway." Yeah. Um, and Tell he me sort- now before yeah. you get. Yeah. And he sort of sees the sense in it, obviously, and she doesn't. But like the fact that even if you would imagine that in any other sort of scenario, um, after you know, find well, after the parents find out that she's supposedly a witch and she runs away, they probably just leave her to do her own thing, and mm-hmm. that she be kind of disowned after that. But the fact that he sort of comes out and even sort of takes like some kind of care of her is like kind of a sign, like you know. And that particular bit, obviously, when he's like confessing after he's chopping the wood and stuff, and he's like properly crying and stuff, like it's a really good scene, um, really good delivery, um, and just like the the real dramatic weight of it is just so like heavy, like um, it'll come up again in the lighthouse anyway, um, with a scene that's much better, but 
I quite like that maybe this is a bit of a trademark of his is just having one scene in particular where an oh, actor just yeah. kind of like gets a whole chunk of dialogue and yeah. then just chews on it. I mean, um, I don't mean to be choosing favourites, but the, the the one you're talking about, like, yeah, it's much better. Oh my god, it's much, much like better. even when, when we seen it in the cinema, I remember like getting chills and yeah, even sort of holding my breath because yeah. I was like, oh my god. After reading everything about the lighthouse, rewatching it again, yeah. it was even like, oh my god, like that is such an incredible scene, like yeah. alone, never mind anything else. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's as we, as we say, we're not we're trying to sort of cut down these episodes so we can yeah. fit both into it, but we just wanted to talk about elements of these films that are sort of there in both, um, or things that are different in both, yeah, um, and even just things that we really enjoy from the films. Um, but the witch was for its time absolutely great because I remember yeah. it came out there There wasn't much that really I mean this was pre-hereditary it was yeah, yeah pre-hereditary and everything um, obviously there's people that sort of talk about the similarities between those two but this one became this one came first well I think anybody just wants an excuse to see hered- bring up hereditary mm-hmm. at any given opportunity and don't get me wrong like I like I think hereditary is a great film um, but yeah so do I but it's not the only great film <laughs> No, I know, I know. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of sort of elements. I mean, I, I'm even bad for being like my mum the other day. I was like, oh, if you like that, watch a redshirt. Um, but no, I get it. Like the, the, that sort of family dynamic, not from a positive viewpoint. Um, yeah. And not a horror film. It's obviously, it's, it's very well done. Um, yeah. But for the, the Witch, definitely. And as a, a sort of period piece, as a horror film, like drama piece, Yeah. it was really well done. And for bringing that out and managing to get that out in cinemas yeah and well it's A24 so they're always going to do it 100% so. do love a bit of A24 we've yeah. always got some great films coming out but yeah I think um, if there's any sort of real negative impact that The Witch has had on sort of like films sort of following it I think it's that um it's uh, one of those things that whenever a new movie comes out, people are going to be like, it's like The Witch, or like, you know, if you like The Witch, you'll yeah. like this. Or imagine The Witch, but it's on steroids. Or imagine The Witch, but it's more violent, whatever. Um, you know, it's it happens to like a mo- one movie every couple of years, and everybody is going to use that as a reference point to everything from that point onward. Like, it's already started happening with like Hereditary, like, you know, yeah. if you like, you know, or even like um, we watched a film fairly recently that was pretty bad, we didn't like it. Um, and I remember because you reacted to it, and even I was sort of blowing my eyes. It was um, the wind. Oh my god! Where, yes, like in the yes, trailer for yes. the wind, it's like it's like the Babadook, and you were like, ooh, and because you really like the Babadook, so oh, you're always yeah. kind of like, oh well, you know. And sort of, I like the Babadook too, so it's always one of those but things yeah, where you're like, okay, you like, it must trust be. These things, and then when you go into it, it's fucking nothing like it, and yeah, it really it was absolutely nothing like yeah, it. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like it's this massive problem I have. Where like you know, like take a Ghibli movie. Like, you know, oh, or no, well, take a, um, sorry, what I meant to say was like, take like a Makoto Shinkai movie, like Your Name, or like Garden of Words or whatever. And people are always like, oh my god, it's so good, it's so Ghibli esque. He's the new Hiao Miyazaki. And it's like, no, stop right there. Because what you're doing is that you're, you're discrediting Hiao Miyazaki, you're discrediting Makoto Shinkai, you're discrediting this other movie. Like, these things are completely, like, you They're can enjoy. Yourself. Yeah, exactly. You like, to, yeah, no. I mean, like, I'm bad enough for, like, you know, we, we run out of films really regularly, yeah. and to try and find new films that have came out, obviously I go through it, and I go these lists, it's like, if you like The Witch, you will, yeah. like, like I am bad for doing that, but yeah. I have learned to, like, learn what, yeah. you know, to at least do research on the films, or watch trailers, and see, and then you realise very quickly, yeah, 
well absolutely no similarities there have exactly. but um yeah like i get people saying it and they don't mean it in a bad way they no, usually no, of mean course, it to yeah. recommend something they're sort of like and it's, yeah like it's easy for shorthand because you can kind of say oh what's it like and you're like well it's kind of like this yeah. but 100 i can't think of any other movie that is if like to turn around someone and be like oh yeah it's like the witch because like i, feel I like, haven't seen anything that's sort I, of, you I know, feel like, like that it's probably like in something like the lodge trailers or something and it's oh, okay like, right yeah. if you, you know um, even though, like yeah yeah like you know i know like hopefully people under like it's hard to sort of articulate what i mean but i hope no, people I'm understand sure. what i mean yeah um and it's just like you know it i think i wish people would stop doing it because it just it puts down the work that the people have put in to be a, an original thing mm-hmm. and by sort of comparing it to something else that it may have a slight similarity to only just kind of further discredits the original movie and also the movie that you're referencing like you know nothing is ever really going to be like the Babadook again nothing is ever going to be like the witch again the only people that are making movies similar to those ones are robert eggers making his own and i cannot remember the woman's name within the babadook but then even her second movie is nothing like the babadook so there yeah. you go like yeah um and you know and i think you were talking about double features and stuff i think robert eggers is a great example um so i guess on that we should maybe stuff but to be honest like lighthouse is a better movie hmm. i enjoy it more um and i don't know if that's maybe just a personal thing um i mean i do i mean um in terms of when the witch came out it was very high on my yearly list yeah but when the light when we seen the lighthouse it was um at the end of the year it was it was november when we yeah. seen it and as soon as we came out of cinema i said that that was my favorite film of the, like that year it was my um, third but yeah but yeah just in terms of i like i absolutely adored the lighthouse. yeah it is good um it's much much better and i don't even think that it's because like the film itself is like made any better or made any differently i think it just um on a personal level like on a personal taste level uh, i just appreciate it more i like things um about the ocean and i like things or like mysticism around the ocean and stuff i really appreciate um and i think that that's probably why i enjoyed it a lot more i think that the two leads just work together so perfectly yeah. as well in this. if it wasn't such a microscopic movie um like it would have been probably a lot more difficult to sit through but um just it's a sort of limited scope with just two people just living on an island yeah. together um it's just it just makes for really comp- like you know a lot of people would look at that and be like oh no but like what's gonna happen is nothing gonna happen and for the most part nothing does happen and that's fine like that's just what most dramas are is mm-hmm. nothing happens the movie but um it's the chemistry and the sort of like where the plot goes into weird places and stuff is probably what makes it so appealing and something um that i think when we at least for the witch for example i think i must have shared the cinema with like maybe 20 other people who were kind of fooled into thinking that because of the marketing it was going to be like a super scary horror movie and then ended up getting a drama with horror elements when we seen the lighthouse i think we had four other people on the screen with us yeah best cinema in the whole world yeah. may i add just just to put it in yeah. there we went to see the lighthouse at the alamo picture house the alamo draft house alamo draft house yeah. in um, la and oh my god like if ever you're in LA like yeah. you have to we ended up um, we were on holiday so we only planned on doing one cinema trip yeah. which was to see the lighthouse because it was so many months until it was out in the UK um, after going to see this we actually ended up making another cinema trip yeah we went to see Doctor just Sleep just because the cinema is so incredible yeah um, for so many elements that's like we could literally talk about it for ages but just the seating alone yeah. their, their choice in films yeah. their choice uh, the way that they you can order drinks and food it just works so perfectly yeah. and every time we went the cinema wasn't really wouldn't say it was busy uh doctor like, sleep was pretty busy it was pretty busy which but I it still wasn't cause... still wasn't like extra extra yeah, busy yeah. Um, whereas the lighthouse was literally yeah. just and I went to, we, we seen it in like middle of the afternoon yeah. like it was like uh, like 
was, I think it was even like half eleven or something. So like it was a fairly early morning show. It was quite a hot day as well. It was. Um, so like yeah, and it made for a difference. Um, the one thing that, you know, the reason why I sort of talked about the number and audience and stuff as well is that, like you know, you could hear people being unhappy in my screen for the witch. But again, I guess that just goes to show that they were fooled into thinking it was a different movie than it actually was. When we've seen the lighthouse. Um, the one thing the lighthouse has going for it a lot more is that it's actually a, a very funny movie, yeah. and people responded um, quite clearly um, in its favor. And like, yeah, you know, we'll get more into it. But to be honest, like, I I like that. I like you know, I like levity in my movies anyway. Like, you know, I like horror movies, and they're like my favorite genre and stuff. But sometimes I find it really hard to sit through a horror movie if it doesn't just take a second to just breathe and just realize that the things that are going on are maybe a bit silly and stuff. Um, like you know think about like uh, Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson who done uh, Resolution um, Spring and yes. uh, The Endless they're all very good movies that take themselves very seriously but they also have a really good comedic heart to them 100%, that like, adds a the, nice the levity elements to in it, it. That yeah. are good. I mean don't get me wrong there is always there is elements of films that are really good like The Witch works really good not having humour in it yeah um, you'd mentioned The Babadook The yeah. Babadook um, is no humour yeah um, it and works for the most, like you know, like, you know, like that's what I mean. But I do no, no, no. But what I'm saying is 100 percent like the lighthouse. I think if it didn't have those little yeah. elements, it'd be a completely different film. Yeah, especially because it's a much more personal story between two people, mm-hmm. like essentially two complete strangers living um, together like 24 hours yeah. a day. We haven't even really talked about the plot, so to sum it up very quickly. Um, yeah, so it's if, uh, yeah, sorry, Robert Pattinson. So Willem we've Dafoe. got Robert Pattinson, Willem Dafoe. We've got um, Robert Pattinson plays Winslow. Um, Ekram Winslow, Ephraim. I think he com- Ephraim Winslow that comes into it, and then we have Willem Dafoe that plays Wake, Thomas Wake. Um, so both uh, the film starts with them both arriving at an island on a boat, um, both being wikis, which is like lighthouse keepers. Um, both arriving as the previous two lighthouse keepers are leaving. Um, and the whole film is just them basically on this island looking after the lighthouse. Um, Thomas Wake and um, Willem Dafoe he has done this for years yeah. so he's sort of like the he's a seasoned veteran of yeah the like the, the supervisor of everything yeah. and um, Robert Pattinson he's sort of just like the, the runner the one that does all the chores yeah. and stuff um, and basically that is the whole plot of the film basically apart from everything that sort of extends from it but the whole film is set in this island Yeah, most of it just set in either the house or the lighthouse or outdoors just so, like roundabout but yeah that's it that's yep. the plot that's pretty much it it's really effective and it's really simple um, you know the and so obviously just because the plot is so simple and the cast is so small you've just got to focus on the fact that it's just these two people um, and you sort of get to know them quite quickly um, you know obviously Robert Pattinson although he's not necessarily like happy with the work you know he just kind of wants the money and stuff but uh, so he does work hard yeah um, Willem Dafoe's a hard taskmaster though so he like really sort of like grinds him um, to a fine pace until he's really doing anything like he really takes the piss out of him yeah 100% um, and he finds it a bit hard and stuff but also you kind of get the impression that um, the reason that Rock Pattinson is here is for maybe uh, different reasons than he's sort of initially laying on mm-hmm. and that maybe he's not the kind of person that he's initially sort of laying himself on yep. to be um, but that's never like the main element of the movie it's just these two people living together and sort of putting up with each other yep. and 
their relationship is um, joyous. <laughs> like, I absolutely love watching it yeah. kind of unfold. It's very, as well, like, the relationship in this is very up and down. Yeah. Because during the daytime when they're working, they really don't get on yeah. on a general level. But at night, sort of, when they have dinner, yeah. they have conversation and they're more sort of enjoy each other's company. Yeah. And when it starts out, Willem, Willem Dafoe sort of tries to get Robert Pattinson to sort of drink yeah. dinner and Robert Pattinson says no like on the job I, d- I don't do that so by the end when Robert Pattinson does end up drinking um, they really got on yeah. when they've had a drink together but then at the daytime as soon as they wake up it's back to sort of like really sort of hating each other Yeah. Um, so it's this on off I mean a, a massive part of this is the isolation like they're here for three months on this tiny island with no one else around like sort of sea weather all the work they've got to do and that's it yeah um there's no there's no clean water not properly um they they try to clean the cisterns when they get in and then constantly there's things like going into the water to cause it to go minging um so there's no water there's sort of the food they have rationed and the food that they can catch but apart from that that's you know that's all they have Two men stuck in a giant lighthouse in the shape of a phallus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, more like phalluses, the, yes. yeah. Uh, well, a lot more sort of um, or at least sexual the, imagery. Well, the phallus is the central thing. Like, yeah, the lighthouse, lighthouse is the central thing. So instead yeah. of having multiple phalluses, you just have one big one to make up yeah. for it. Um, other than the fact that you probably arguably could say that both of them are just compo- total knobs anyway. Yeah. Um, they're not nice people. But, like, you know, they, they make up for it with, like, a good sort of chemistry. Like, you know, there's as you say they sort of are more agreeable with each other when they're drinking there's a sort of great bit sort of before like the drinking aspect becomes more chaotic where like they've clearly had a couple of drinks between them and like I think it's just before they're set to leave and uh, Willem Dafoe actually kind of just says you know what like you know at first you were a little bit cold but I do actually respect you and I might miss you yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's like you know so that's actually kind of nice um because you know like, they make... especially when how hard that they've like Willem Dafoe's worked yeah. passing by this point it's it, yeah it's nice to have those little elements of course yeah um so like they're like the reason these two are in it really just do make up the whole the whole of the movie um and it's just really enjoyable to watch like you know Willem Dafoe's kind of got his own secrets what Robert Pattinson's kind of got his and nor do you kind of any get really get any kind of resolution towards any of them by the end yeah um which is kind of the joy in it at least for me um, I don't necessarily need all my sort of info explained to me, um, no. especially in this one. I mean, even they, they do sort of give the little elements and when Rob Patterson's character obviously admits to why he's actually there and stuff, it doesn't have to massively go into it, just sort no. of tell the story. And it's also not it. a bombshell. Like, you know, no. if any other movie, it'd be like a, a hot plot twist, but it's just kind of like, no, it's just, it's kind of just admitting, like, you know, he's very he's torn up about it kind of like you know he the seems guilt to, very yeah. like carried to him especially there's um, near the beginning of the scene he goes out to the water um, after he finds this sort of mer- mermaid totem well I because I, I, you asked like at the start he finds the he finds word, the yeah. thing in, like in his mattress um and you'd actually ask me what it was and I was like oh it's probably like a totem or something but I actually got it wrong although you probably still could call it that it's a scrimshaw Okay. Yeah, like us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes. But I mean, sense. A total, it still makes sense. It's not like a totem pole, but it's like no, a, no, no, it's no. an yeah, icon, I mean. if you know what I mean. Um. Yeah. He goes out to the sort of the sea, um, and there's these huge logs all yeah. coming in, and he sees the body of this this man, and by that point you're sort of like, oh, what? Like, where does this fit in? And then yeah. obviously, slowly as the plot goes on, you find out why he's actually there. It makes sense. And you've also got the mermaid, 
Um, pops up a couple of times. Yeah, this is sort of the first bit that she pops yeah. up. Um, loads of, like, obviously, there's a lot of, like, sailor folklore in yeah. this. Um, Mary May's been, like, a big one um, in it. Um, also, with having two men stuck in this tiny lighthouse. Yeah. Um, this is sort of the only female figure, even though it's not, like, a fully female. Yeah. Um, it's sort of just, like, well, as a siren is, sort of, yeah. like, calling out to Robert Patterson's character. Um, you have the the elements around them are so much more crazy. Like because it's on such a small island, the the waves, yeah, and um, the rain, the wind, everything's like mental. And when you you see that sort of on film, it's like oh my god! Like it, it is how you would imagine sort yeah. of like living on a lighthouse. Um, as we said sort of previously, the aspect ratio is a big thing in these films. Yeah. So this film was shot on one point nineteen one aspect ratio and also 35 millimeter black yeah. and white and it's also recorded in mono yes a mono yeah. yeah um which i mean to be honest like you know this is one of those once again one of those things where it's like the difference between watching it in a theater and watching it at home is noticeable um particularly watching it in a theater like the audio comes through a lot more it sounds like well it sounds and it looks like and i mean it's obviously kind of deliberate that way um, but it sounds and looks like something that you would see on a TV in like the 60s. Yes. Like, you know, like an old, like it reminded me an awful lot of um, Whistling I'll Come To You, which is an old yeah. BBC uh, teleplay thing. Um, and it has that kind of feel, even just like to the sort of like almost kind of crackly sound of the audio at times mm-hmm. to like the way that the frame looks. And to be honest, like, you know, The Witch is a good looking movie anyway, but The Lighthouse looks a lot better because, you know, as you say, um, every frame's a painting and stuff. But he, Robert Eggers, that is, knows what to sort of populate the frame with at any sort of given time and I mean that works even more in this because it is such a smaller frame yeah yeah. it really does pack everything into it Um, there was a huge disagreement when the film was obviously going to be released and the the, like they wanted to have this on a bigger um, bigger aspect ratio because they said the film is too beautiful you can't have it this small and Robert Eggert stood his ground and it ended up Given out one of, uh, he said there was a scene in it where the the lighthouse itself was sort of swaying back and forth, yeah. and it slowly turns into an erect penis. Yeah. And so the department were like, okay, you can keep your ratio, but I think we should cut out the yeah. giant penis. Apparently, like film. there was also people complaining about it, like you know, just and this isn't even me having a goal, but it's obviously like people who maybe aren't that like well versed in like what an aspect ratio kind of does for a movie complaining like in theaters being like there's something wrong with the projection or like you know yeah. whatever um but we no it. it's we great um, loved seeing it, like. but i think that's also kind of the thing as well like you know you think about like being stuck on a small rock with a lighthouse on it in the middle of the ocean and what are you surrounded by if not just vast amounts of negative empty space mm-hmm. so like seeing the frame and just having these massive black bars on the side not, not even black bars they might as well be entirely black squares themselves yeah. I mean it, it gives you the same feeling mm-hmm. um, and like you know talking about like what the frame is filled with like you know it's just it's almost kind of Wes anderson at times where it's just a very like locked down tripodied shot of like you know even like when they first get to the island and stuff and it's like you can see the lighthouse and there's like almost like a little sort of tunnel thing not a tunnel but you know like a a, a building that sort of goes from yeah, like across, all across yeah. and then into the living quarters kind yeah. of thing and that's all fit quite snugly into one frame and it looks mm-hmm. really really good or just like even um the bit when you were saying when there's like a hatch that opens up into like the water treatment and yeah, stuff the and the camera comes from the inside of that silo thing mm-hmm. and 
the way that it sort of looks up and it's like you know you can just, just see the flaps of the doors like... yeah and you can kind of, and it just looks good like yeah. everything about it looks really good no um, really I th- yeah I completely agree I think it's and we even noticed obviously seeing it in the cinema the aspect ratio is incredible seeing it at home it's not as good because obviously unless you have a huge huge screen at home yeah. you don't really get the same effect of it yeah. Um, but yeah 100% that really does make such a difference um, we, sp- we spoke about previously when we were talking about the witch the, the sound yeah and you were saying it's more prominent so yeah. than this. It really is. The the foghorn noises yeah. are throughout the whole film. Um, they're like incredible. I absolutely love it. it it's great. So yeah. great. Even just the percussion and sort of low rumbling throughout the the film and the in the sound areas, like just little bits, is like so good. Yeah. And it makes you feel like you're actually there. Um, the constant sort of foghorn like works as sort of like a heartbeat as well mm, like yeah. it's it's just oh it's just really good and there's actually a bit when the foghorn's like going off and like um willem dafoe turns up to like tell something to robert pattinson oh, while he's doing hear something you. and he can't hear him and it's like you know it's um that kind of like good mix of like sort of it's a strange mix of like being diegetic and non-diegetic sound mm. um you know digging at Ari Aster there but like um but yeah like you know it works really well um and overall like the sound is a lot better again it's like you know I don't think he really thinks about having like music in the same way as like anybody else kind of would there's not like if you listen to the soundtrack you may be able to pick out like a like an actual main melody or anything Mm -hmm. you know um but there's mostly used just to sort of build yeah but there's I think there's more character in the sound of the lighthouse than there is in the witch like you know um, even that, like, I can't remember, like, you know, I mean, this just goes to show, but I can't even remember what, like, the credit music in The Witch is like. But I remember the weird sea shanty song in the Please credits say, yeah. for The Lighthouse, like, you know. And again, it's not like, you know, this isn't like a real step up for Robert Eggers. It's not even like a sidestep. It's just that he's doing the same amount of quality work. He's just got a little bit, a couple of extra tools this time. Yeah, I think as well, like, it's because he does so much work previous to coming yeah. to doing the film. Um, like the little sea shanty bits yeah. that are like great, um, the, the musical elements, everything is sort of feels very on board. Like it makes you feel like you're there. Yeah. The the sounds, the the language in this as well, because both films sort of use a different language that people are used to. The lighthouse is a bit easier to understand. Um, it's more just sort of um sailor talk. Yeah. Um, the the great bit that um is it when Robert Pattinson does he keep saying yes and he keeps saying to say what no not what uh, when he says uh, like yes um, yes oh, he sir he says yes sir and he says no say aye sir say aye yeah. sir um, just little bits like that yeah sorry um, yar or hark yeah like you know um, and I think that's that's quite funny as well because you know it's it's almost kind of more contemporary because obviously being sort of set in America like you know still being set in America but obviously like you know sort of closer to a more sort of almost postmodern well pre-modern yes, time yes it's not like um, you're taking it from say uh, an Irish lighthouse or um anything a, off a the Scottish coast of Island, the UK yeah, you, like, know, you know where you're gonna have it would probably be a lot more dialect yeah. and stuff um, it allows it still to be sort of understandable yeah. and Robert Pattinson has a more sort of discernible accent than um, Willem Dafoe does like mm-hmm. he's clearly like you know had salt on his bones like all his life um, whereas Robert Pattinson like he, as he admits later on has kind of gone from like job to job and stuff like he was a logger and all that kind of yeah. stuff so like you know that kind of on the road Americana sort of speaks through more with his character whereas Thomas Wake Willem Dafoe um, is clearly clearly been around the water all his life and yeah. like even just down to like his like rote memorization of like you know um the lore and mm-hmm. like you know sort of history and stuff like that as well um this was actually quite because when we walked out um after seeing it the first time 
and you said that you didn't know that killing a seagull is um, a sign of bad Traps, luck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas I'd known that from learning about it in school because it was mm. in Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, which we had to learn in English. Oh, okay. Um, I'd never. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't remember much about it now. I mean, like, as we because we had this talk because uh, I have I have my weird um, sort of what would you call it like what's that sort of thing called like when you believe something I don't know what is that like a like if you like believing that you can't kill a seagull what would that be called like superstition superstition that's yeah, it yeah. like I I have all these weird like you know oh of like, course yeah magpies mag, like magpies are a big one for me like I can't yeah. go past a single like a single magpie and not salute them yeah. things like that so I was sort of like oh my god I didn't know that like killing a seagull was really bad luck yeah um, and that they have the souls of sailors inside them um, and that's really interesting just to have that in it especially the way Willem Dafoe reacts yeah to it like he really kicks off the way the like rock he... pants and actually kills the damn thing oh like, God, it's um it's like it's almost it starts off being funny it's one of those things that's and like, then it slowly is it yeah you kind of go oh wait <laughs> like you know uh, it's not it's not fun no. um but it was definitely it was a puppet, so <laughs> well i mean i don't it know how it was so a puppet because it does look it real. So real it looks yeah. shockingly real no they 100 percent. they were like oh my god no it really was it really was a puppet but um i mean i don't know how it was a puppet i don't know how you transitioned from like you know, it was a real bird attacking yeah. him by the looks of it to transitioning into a puppet, and God knows how. I don't know how. Yeah. Um, but it was like, I was convinced he might have actually done it. I was like, shit. Yeah. But no, really it looks really good. Um, yeah, but that's, yeah, the sort of brutalness of that, and which is sort of big elements because with the Roberts, Patterson being pushed so much, yeah. the, the elements where his rage actually comes out is a crazy amounts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the killing of the seagull, and then straight away the wind's changing, like in Mary Poppins. Um, well actually it kind of almost reminded me of like another weird superstition like growing up where like if you pull a face and the wind changes direction your face will stay, stay like, like that, that forever for yeah. um, so like you know I know that it's not related but you know as with most kind of like weird superstitions and stuff they have a root somewhere and mm-hmm. it's kind of like a game of telephone where like you know the further they go on they change and adapt to like the cultures that are accepting them and stuff mm-hmm. um, so I feel like that's probably something with it yeah I know um, like, I, like obviously the winds, the, the winds have changed are a big thing for I mean that's not even a superstition that's genuinely like how you can tell um like out at sea or stuff yeah. that there is something going on when the winds suddenly change and stuff but those superstitions are like really sort of nice to have yeah. in it like the, the the mermaid superstitions sort of being like someone going mad yeah and seeing mermaids and stuff um is is really interesting um there's so many good little scenes in this like yeah. if one thing that i'd like to talk about is just like the little really good scene so like that that scene with the logs coming in yeah i think that's really good that's yeah, really, really well good, shot yeah. um the there's this whole element in this film of like hypnotic like subject matter yeah so obviously you've got the light which sh- quite quickly into the film actually you've got willem dafoe will not let robin pattinson go anywhere near the light he says it's his or at least it's his at night time yeah um, and you sort of see him going up and Robert Pattinson goes up to check on him a few times or even just sees him from outside and you see that he's like completely engulfed like entranced by this this light and it makes Robert Pattinson want it more like he he's like entranced by it too he needs yeah. to have it uh, you have like the spiral staircase that goes up to the to the light um, which is a big sort of entrancing scene 
remember the word is for that. Like a spiral staircase. Hmm. Yeah. Helix. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like a helix shape. Um, you have the, the the bit where he's cleaning the cistern, and it looks like an oil spill. Yeah. Uh, that's the only way I can describe it, and it's sort of going in circles and circles, like almost now like hypnotic pattern. Um, like all these little elements showing like the draw towards the light which obviously leads up to the further you get to the end of the film how much they like well how much Willem Dafoe needs the light and then yeah. how much Rob Patson wants to see it mm-hmm. um, and then sort of all the well what is it like what is inside the light like what does it bring you've got this these weird sort of elements I mean they obviously they've spoken about that this film is very influenced as well not that they, they do so much research for like poetry and stuff from round about the same place that they filmed um, and for the time period but also a massive element is things like cosmic horror um, from like yeah. HP Lovecraft was that's kind of why influence. I kind of prefer this one and it's not mm-hmm. even that it's like it's not massively in no, it's, it's not. just little bits of it but when it's in oh my god it's great yeah exactly and it's not too much either Um, I think there's a whole bunch of a whole sect of like H.P. Lovecraft fans, kind of like myself, who seem to think that, like, you know, it needs to go hard in on the H.P. Lovecraft elements, you know. And H.P. Lovecraft influence in the past a couple of years has been co-opted by, like, a whole bunch of people that think that H.P. Lovecraft horror is, like, weird tentacle body horror stuff, which a large part of it is, but it's not the core of it. And I think that, like, you know, like, talking about colour of space like that's the kind of problem where it's like it feels like it was a fine movie beforehand but then it has like a weird body horror monster in it like a couple mm-hmm. of times it didn't need that because no. that's not what that's not what the book is about and that's not what like all H.P. Lovecraft stuff yeah. is about most of the time I mean the, the the sort of it's not even body horror in this because it's not massively body no, horror no. but the tentacles in this make sense because yeah. it's a C you know it's yeah. a C sort of film and it's the but, right amount yeah, it's the right little bit, not massively. Like, yeah, the bit where a rock person's looking up. The, yeah, and you can um, see it, like, under the rail the and stuff. Yeah, like, coming out. You don't know whether it's from Willem Dafoe or if it's coming from the light itself. Um, the other great bit, but it's more so to do with, like, the lore of um, sea stories, is the bit where Rock Patterson is basically beating up Willem Dafoe. It turns into the guy that he killed, um, Winslow. And then it turns into Willem Dafoe is this huge like sea. Well, doesn't, king? It turn, it doesn't it turn into like the mermaid first? Yeah, it turns yeah. into a, 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 yeah. I think it was the guy he killed. And then the it's mermaid, the mermaid. And then it's Willem Dafoe is the yeah. sort of sea creature. Um, and talking about lore as well, like there's so many elements throughout this that sort of provide this. But you've got so like Wake as in Willem Dafoe is sort of a representation of. Proteus, which is yeah. the old Sea King sort of story, and um, Winslow, as in Rob Pattinson, is a representation of Prometheus, which was the titan that defies the gods, um, stealing fire, yeah. as in the light, um, in Greek mythology. Well, it comes, I think it's the Prometheus thing is probably is more, it's at the end, because that's... But the whole story, if you think about it, the two things, yes, yeah. you know, that is, it's the story, it's him going against yeah. the, the gods um, to get the light, yeah. and then at the end, he he makes his he's making for what he's done yeah um but yeah the whole way through so that bit where it, um willem dafoe is on the floor and yeah. sort of in the sort of same element is sort of like proteus like the sea king i think that's really interesting uh it's also a great shot it is 
Um, I also just have written in like huge letters, just park. Because uh, <laughs> which well, is we're going to have to talk about it anyway. Because uh, obviously that is this scene. That is, like, that is this scene. So I'm just trying to think if there's any other. Um, oh, what scenes back to, to talk hip- about? Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, well, the other thing, the hypnotic element. The, the big one is the yeah the why do you spill your beans, oh. uh, bit where it's like why do you spill your beans and it sort of echoes out and then it's got this. I'm trying to describe it in words because obviously people aren't here to see my. Well, you've got like Willem Dafoe standing, and looking down towards Robert Pattinson, or is it vice versa? What with the why do you spill your beans thing? No, you're talking about the the one that looks, the one that's a rip, yeah, the not a rip up the one that looks like the painting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's, in the background it keeps saying why just fill your beans. Not it's, in that bit. Yes, it does. Are you sure? Yes, I've got it literally there. It does. But the why just fill your beans bit is the slow pan through the lighthouse. There's no dialogue in the bit with the painting. Yeah, but it's like just at that bit. It slows through the it pans through the house, and then it's got the bit where they're both standing. But that's outside. Yes, it goes to outside. We're gonna have to watch that again. Right, that's fine. Because <laughs> that I literally will like. I hundred percent. That is that. I'm sure that because the why just spill your beans thing. I feel would take away the importance of the scene of them essentially representing the painting that they're referencing. No, because I'm sure. So. But anyway, right, we'll we'll fight this out at the end of this. Um, yeah, we've well, got Willem Dafoe standing um, looking down at Robert Pattinson with the light coming out of his eyes, like yep. the, the light of the lighthouse, which is just exactly like the famous painting Hypnosis. Um, you sort of, it, throughout the film, it's this whole thing of, is Robert Pattinson going insane? Is he being made to think he's going insane? Are they both insane? Like, it's... Uh, I think, I mean, from my two cents on it, I think that... Um, Robert Pattinson's, Robert Pattinson's going insane and um, Willem Dafoe's having a great time reading yeah. him down it. Um, I, I think, think some that, of the time he doesn't, it's not like he's he's trying to get him to go insane, he's just yeah. an arsehole. So yeah. he's just making like, things I think worse that for him. If anybody's in full control of their facilities in this, it's, it's definitely Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Like, I think he's very aware of everything that's going on. I don't think it's a real contest as to like, you know, both of them are going a bit mental. I think, you know, Willem Dafoe's having a fun time with it because he knows what's going on. Yeah. Um, and he's very Obviously clear he's been of mind. It before, no, of course, yeah. He's definitely with. like, you know, and he's just having fun while he's doing it. Um, and obviously, like, you know, I like kind of have a hate love relationship with movies that are about like a small group of people isolating and kind of losing it. Because I feel like you can kind of just throw anything in there and then it's going to be like, oh, it's scary or oh, they're really losing their mind. Um, and there's not enough to reinforce you know that questioning of mm-hmm. what it is that's going on or what they're doing um but there's enough in the lighthouse that it doesn't ever really seem like it's boring or it's pulling yeah, anything no, out yeah. that seems silly like you know uh, there's like a a bit where like you know it's so offhanded it never comes up again like you know where like rob pattinson decides that he's going to just try and make a break for it and just try and like use the dinghy to like mm-hmm. ride out to sea and escape um and willem dafoe comes like charging along with an axe and like destroys the boat Ron Pattinson runs back into the lighthouse, Willem Dafoe chases him with the axe, and then they have a big confrontation, and then Willem Dafoe says, oh, but you've gone crazy, like, you chased me around the place with an axe, as if to, like, sort of, like, you know, did it or didn't happen, but obviously it didn't happen, he's just pulling him along kind of thing, but, like, it's just a little bit of that. Yeah, playing into, sort of, like, the, how long have we been here for? Yeah, exactly, like, you know, and then he's like, oh, you you told me your secret and stuff, like, you know, you... It's driven uh, you insane. Yeah, it's a confession that would make a priest swear, like, you know, um, and yeah, like, you know, uh, I think that's, like, he's really just driving it forward, like, I think it's him that's the kind of the aggressor in it all, and he kind of gets the short stick in the end when he gets uh, killed off. Yeah. Um, like, you know, even, like, in the sort of famous trailer bit where they're like, what, 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 back and forth, like, he's the one that starts saying it. 
mm-hmm. um, and then like is the one that sort of pushes him to the edge of it and stuff as well and emotionally sort of guilts him into being like I thought you liked my lobster and like you know, <laughs> um, you know it, that great scene no, yeah. I was just like because I remember when we went to see it and you came out and you were just like oh my god I can't I used that for so <laughs> you were fond of me lobster and you know obviously that um, is sort of bookmarked by the um, the, the Willem Dafoe's big speech um, yes. which so is the sort the of heart. key yeah so this like oh my god like this is what we were talking about previously that's you can have a I'd, I'd say that there's sort of one similar in the which is the the dad's confession but yes the yeah. dad's confession or the child's possessed when he goes yeah, into the yeah. you know he's reciting his um, prayers um, all at once sort of because I'm sure that they'd said that the, the prayer scene for the kids when he's possessed it was all taken in one yeah one take that scene it was just the child actor that made that yeah um but more so the lighthouse hark yeah. scene um willem dafoe they took this in one take willem dafoe does not blink, blink. for yeah. over two minutes yeah um which i was actually watching it trying to see if no he doesn't I he could... doesn't he doesn't even falter like no, for no. A second. i was trying to see if i couldn't blink for the two yeah. minutes of it it'd be really bloody hard but yeah no i couldn't like, even watching it and not blinking it's like hard enough but being able to like actually recite those lines like you know oh and his eyes are like wide yeah yeah like they're proper like taken into the element of like properly reciting he really goes hard on this whole like big speech and stuff and like you know um i think it's a culmination of a lot of things as well particularly like um the lighting um which obviously we sort of Mm -hmm. briefly mentioned but obviously there's sort of indoor lighting and stuff and when it wants to be like it makes sure to make everything look really imposing when it needs to especially because there's it's kind of it's an angle angled sort of looking up yeah so that he's looking Slightly, down so, so looking he does down. kind of look like a vengeful yeah. god like he really really does uh, and like even just the way that it's lit like it's really harsh lighting so like the sort of like the the hollows of his eyes are like almost like completely black if you know what i mean like, yes, yes and like it just it's a really imposing um figure and stuff sure. even like um there's a bit it's not a massive scene but it's where um willem dafoe like slaps robert pattinson yeah and he like gets up from his chair and there's a shot where robert pattinson obviously just recoiled from being slapped in the face and the camera's sort of looking up at him whilst his shadow's like reflected on the wall leading up to the ceiling and it's not like a big important but it's a really important like with that sort of lighting it's really imposing yeah. like it looks really um like kind yeah, of scary yeah the lighting in this especially the like, indoor scenes yeah. is, uh, it makes such a difference but that that oh my god that whole scene is incredible it's so good um being able to recite that like without blinking and everything and then going straight from that to be like but I thought you were fond of my lobster. No, well, actually, the, the, well, actually, this before are you fond of my lobster? And then he does the whole speech, yeah. and then after he's finished, there's just like a brief silence for Robin Pattinson says, "Oh, fine, the lobster's okay." <laughs> like you know, like, which, calm down, which is like. such a good laugh, like you know. Which is nice because after something so serious, you've got all like sort of back to the the humor element. Yeah. and I think we should just briefly go over the funniest bits in the movie. So, so yeah, so before you have any dialogue in this whole film. Yeah, the f- yeah, it's like I think maybe like upwards of like five minutes before someone speaks, and yeah, um, Robin Pattinson's walking around the lighthouse, um, sort of like finding like these quarters and stuff, and then Willem Dafoe just farts, one of many farts, um, but it's just great. Like yeah. it's it's great that before anybody speaks a word of dialogue, you get to hear Willem Dafoe fart. Um, there's a great bit where like there's multiple scenes where these guys get absolutely fucking wasted, yeah. um, either Dance on normal alcohol or like on homemade oh, alcohol, turpentine and honey. Like oh my god! It's um, like, and by the time they're drinking turpentine and honey, they look fucking crazy. Yeah, they do. Like the bits, like, their eyes are like wide and they're just hysterically yeah. laughing. Like, but it's like um, when when they get properly properly trashed and then like they're dancing, but then they start slow dancing together mm-hmm. and then they almost kiss. And then they realise very quickly 
and then push each other apart and then just get into a fist fight and then and it's so funny it's like oh my god like you know um there's just there's a lot of humor in it and i don't know like you know i feel like it was such a dangerous line to cross like Mm -hmm. with the kind of humor that's in it like i feel like if it was any funnier it would be distracting yeah. but it's just enough to be no, like 100%. light-hearted enough to they, kind of take they it did away. actually the um, eggers spoke about he was actually really nervous that the film was gonna be too funny because of just the two of them together yeah and um, bounce off each other yeah, so they have great well. chemistry they do they, they really do um, and luckily by then it's sort of just like as you say it's the perfect amount it's yeah. not too much and it's not too little like it's in places that sort of lightens the mood yeah and it almost like it sort of transitions well from one scene to another because i think that most of the times that humor actually is used it's kind of used in a way where it's going into another sequence like you know like say like you know with um robert uh, sorry willem defoe does the big hark speech poseidon spear or whatever mm-hmm. and then that entire scene after that whole dramatic reading is bookended with rotten pants and kind of just being like oh your lobster's not that bad and then I just go straight into the next scene after yeah. that, you know, or even like they're painting the lighthouse and um, Brock Pattinson's like, you know, on like a like a pulley kind of yeah. seat, um, whilst Willem Dafoe lowers him down so he can paint the lighthouse, and he's like, please don't move the thing too fast, like I'll fall down, and he's like, no nonsense, like, and he lowers him down, albeit too fast, and then obviously the seat breaks and falls down, and then the next See, scene. See, if you work out, because I don't know if it, that was because Rock Pattinson's moving, because then Willem Dafoe yeah. like stop moving about, like, yeah, stop moving about. He's like, I'm not moving about. And he's like, stop moving about, and then the thing falls. But so. it's funny that like you know, it's almost like a, it's a it's a mad couple back and forth where they're like you know you know stop moving about too much or like you know you don't lower it too hard whatever back and forth and then it falls and that's the joke and then it's another scene after yeah. that they don't like you know linger on it or whatever mm-hmm. and um you know stuff like that is great even like um sort of early on when robert and like lifts an entire like keg of oil oh. up um like the spiral it's, staircase it's, there's a lot of it as well because it is funny but then it's the like oh it's sad God, like, that's, yeah like yeah. lifts the whole thing all the way to the top and then like uh wonderful's like why didn't you use the tiny oil canister to bring it up and he's like okay and then he's like, "We'll get it back downstairs." God's yeah. sake! Like, what's <laughs> taking you so long? I know That's it's almost like an episode of SpongeBob or something. Like, no. um, it's not. <laughs> but no, um, I mean, there's a much else you want to speak about this film. Um, yeah, actually, uh, I want to quickly just say that um, the lighthouse um, needs to be addressed as being a ripoff of um, probably the most iconic um, surrealist black and white horror movie of all time. Um, by visionary director um, Jürgen von Harbenmaster, um, <laughs> oh the God, doctor in the pencil. <laughs> um, so for anybody not educated in this... <laughs> Just go um, onto YouTube and type in... Well, no. <laughs> what to do is go onto BBC iPlayer. <laughs> so for anybody who's not familiar, right. Um, my favourite episode of a little TV sitcom called The Mighty Bush um, features an episode um, called... Um, the Cramps, I is think it's called. Cramps? Yeah, yeah it's uh, the, the one with Stage Fright. Yeah, it's got yeah. the band... The Horrors. The Horrors. Yeah, yeah. and Sammy the Cramp. Um, <laughs> and there is, um, a, there's a storyline in this episode with Mighty Bush where um, the main, one of the characters, um, Howard Moon, who's kind of like a like a film... Um, a, a film, what do they call it? A, a cinephile type, yeah. like dramatic actor type. You know, he likes jazz and stuff. And uh, he's a big fan of um, auteur director Jürgen von Harbenmaster, who's like a surrealist um director and they show you a clip as one of the jokes in the episode where uh 
you know, they show you a clip of his film called The Doctor and the Pencil, which is a black and white surreal, like, you know, <laughs> and like, it's it's almost kind of a bit of a running joke with us because like the amount of stupid fucking weird black and white shit that we, we watch, watch and we're like, oh my god, it's, it's like, like the Doctor and the Pencil, like, you know, and it actually kind of even down to the aspect ratio, oh god, the lighthouse yeah, is exactly the same, like, um, it's bizarre, and it's funny that um, you know, years later, Julian Barrett, who plays Howard Moon and Mary Bush, would actually be. In like a weird surrealist black and white movie by um, Ben Wheatley, I feel in England. Oh, I see. Oh, I've yeah. not seen that. Of course yeah, he only has a brief cameo in it, mind you. But of course. Um, it's quite funny that like you know after watching May Bush for so long, it's almost kind of they like, become you know, the character. Yeah, then. exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that's I know. No, it is. I am. I am. I'm just joking. But, but like, if you know. anyone hasn't seen that scene, just watch because it does. It makes. Like, it's it also probably joke, it's also one of my favorite episodes of May Bush. Yeah. It has everything. It has the it has the Irish bartender who. Um, when he's uh, frustrated, he jumps over his neighbor's fence, takes her cat, and twists, twists his neck. Twists his neck a little. He's um, a little. There's when um, uh, what's his name? When who's the other guy? The guy I hate. No Fielding. When No, no Fielding um plays like the the washed up actor who plays Howard's drama coach, and uh, <laughs> there's that bit when they're like doing the montage of training, and it's like, what do what do we do now? And it's like, well, right now we smoke pipes and bitch about the industry. Now, who the fuck is John Sim? <laughs> like, you know, uh, great episode of the Mighty Bush, by the way, but I know this is off topic, but I just wanted to bring it up it just at least once. Um, yeah, but, I mean, the only other thing that I'd like to talk about is obviously the, the finale of this film is brilliant. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. another great shot, um, long scene, uh, like one shot scene, which is uh, when uh, Rob Patson is obviously, he's basically nearly killed um, Willem Dafoe by punching him gets up and walks him outside like a dog um, takes him to basically his own grave mm. like makes him get well doesn't even make him just kicks him yeah. shit. it's also actually the, the hole that he puts him in is actually the hole where they dug up the, the extra rations that they burned oh, that, that what turned was? out to be that, alcohol oh, okay, that makes so I don't know I if that, that he dug his okay yeah I don't know if grave. that's maybe actually like meant to be kind of like symbolic of something like you know because when they run out of rations and stuff they're like wonderful it's like oh I actually buried some more mm-hmm. and when they <laughs> you know unbury or dig up the the, the rations, rations that he's supposedly hidden it's just alcohol yeah so i don't know if that's maybe meant to be kind of like a comeuppance thing yeah. like i'm burying you in your own downfall but alcohol no, wasn't his downfall um yeah so there's this scene and then there's this bit where mm. he is yet again dialogue like yeah. speeching. speeching um well rock passing just mm. sort of buries him alive and there's mud and oh, there's yeah, dirt yeah. and there's all oh, there's everything going into his mouth but he, you know he still goes it. yeah he's going like oh my deserves an Oscar just for like that bit like, that's the most disappointing thing that I think has probably come out of it is that like not one of them kind of got like Lighthouse got nominated for Best Cinematography mm-hmm. didn't win it but like it was worthy of so much more like I don't know why God, either that. of them weren't nominated for they Best Actor deserved, they were so they were good incredible, like, but if anybody deserved it it was Willem Dafoe like obviously for the big speech and obviously the one where he's getting buried like yeah. he just like he's literally getting like crud and, li- and almost so a real what, shit like, what age would you say it was? Willem Dafoe yeah. oh god he must be in like his 60s that's what I mean like, like doing a scene like oh my god it's just incredible it shows you how much I mean Willem Dafoe is obviously a big um, theatre actor yeah um, and really does understand sort of the the background of yeah. real acting and I think that that scene with the dart is just incredible especially when you've got people out there that would get a body double or mm. you know refuse to do that it's really everything that they do in this they're really gritty yeah. minging elements they really do lower it. themselves to like you know like R. Pats yeah. is like 
having a fat chug like you know multiple times in well, this movie. Well, suppose he loves like, doing that. He's got four. Oh yeah, of course. He's like checking off him. But you know, I mean, like I don't. I think like one thing I think Robert Pattinson but what makes him so agreeable um, as sort of like an actor is that like you know whatever role he's playing like even if they're like awful people doing shitty things like he's far like you know like talk about like good time and stuff as well like yeah. he's an awful person in good time and he has to do some stupid fucking shit in good time as well but he'll like, happily do it yeah like you know even like the bit was that like when like they steal all that money and the, like the the security things explode and he's like coming out of the car and he's covered in red paint and shit like you know he's just like it's great like you know also good times good movie by the way but yeah. like you know um i mean they, they openly talk about how different these actors um their for their practice mm-hmm. uh, william defoe wanted to go over lines massively um with uh, robert eggert's basically got i think it was like a hotel or mm. a, a place for the three of them to be beforehand to practice lines and stuff william defoe was really wanting to do this he was wanting to constantly practice lines he learned how to knit yeah, because yeah. there's which only comes up like once, and it's in the background. Yeah, like, like he knitting. really is committed. Yeah, not that Rob Pattinson 100 percent was as well, but yeah. Rob Pattinson said that he really didn't want to go over lines over and over because he wanted the elements of the moments when things happen. Yeah. he wanted it to be as raw as possible. Of course. And in this, you see both these actors with completely different ways Schools of, of doing thought, it. Yeah. Um, and they work so perfectly together, and both their ways of like work well yeah. in the final piece. Um. It's great. So yeah, after this, the the amazing speech when he's getting buried, you've got Rob Patson finally goes up the stairs to see the light, um, and or or does Willem Dafoe get back and stab him? No. Well, he comes back and uh, attacks him, yes. and then Rob Patson like knocks him out and then kills him with the axe. Yes, yes. So um, so yes, uh, and then he goes upstairs to the light. Finally, you see him sort of kneel at the top of the stairs or like stand at the top of the stairs as the light opens and oh my god like a perfect shot for a film it's yeah. just this Warm pants and laughing yes yeah. ra- laughing and it goes into sort of almost static yeah the the sounds the, the foghorn gets louder the laughing turns into like st- it sounds like a drone almost yeah it's like yeah. a drone static and it's it's almost like his, his face is contorting the way that it's moving with like the vibrations yeah. as well of like the sound and the the, the when film. we were in the theater i thought i was going mad like it i actually was, i did i thought oh, i was hearing it yeah incredible yeah. like it was absolutely crazy but watching it again i was just like oh my god i love this it's scene so, it so is much. a good ending it's yeah. incredible and then obviously it falls straight down the stairs because it has to be funny somewhere yes um, and then if you don't laugh you'll cry you have the the prometheus element as well where he ends up he's outside the lighthouse and he's being picked alive. Or is he on the light? You know, that's one thing I always. Well, this is, is the, he on yeah, the lighthouse though? This is the thing. So it's like, did he ever go up to the light? Yeah, I mean, my personal theory is that it's kind of almost like Donnie Darkoish, where like you know he actually was a sailor, um, and he you know being a sailor like you know if if, if his boat crashed he'd be looking for a lighthouse to yeah. like shore on, um, and what's happened is that he's probably been the guy on his boat to have killed a seagull and kind of brought doom to all of them and he sort of pays for that action and in the end like you know so this entire film of him imagining being this lighthouse keeper with this guy is kind of like his vision comeuppance before he dies yes. kind of so it's kind of like like Donnie Darko yeah. I say it's like Donnie Darko but no I get that it's 100% because like even if this whole film happens like you can take it in any other yeah absolutely place. but the end when he's yeah he's being picked apart by seagulls you can see that as the the element of what he's for what he's done wrong and the actual Prometheus element and this is how he will be for the rest of his time yeah 
um, it's his comeuppance for what he's done or this is actually how he died he never got up to the light he never seen yeah. what was in the light um, the but, light was a symbol for passing over but he kind of got tossed down the stairs yeah. before he could do it and he still has to suffer again so yeah. you know you could be reliving Eternal that suffering. entire experience yes. again um, as you say it could just be that none of this has happened yeah. he's just washed up on yeah. this sort of island um, for what he's done I mean it's just oh it's such oh. a brilliant film I mean like I recommend this film to everyone I know that most people I recommend it to be like aren't going to be that interested um, I think everyone should but it is obviously it's um, it's the same with The Witch there's a lot of people I know that have seen The Witch so there's yeah. a lot of people that absolutely adore The Witch and talk about it all the time and then there's people that have I <laughs> No offence, I absolutely love these people to pieces. But I went to see The Witch with all my lovely friends in Northampton. Um, and it was my choice of cinema. And I came, we came out and they absolutely slated me for weeks about taking them to see it because they said it was absolute garbage. Yeah. Um, I really liked it and I was the only one out of everyone there that really enjoyed it. But um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think these films are both sort of if you're in the mood for it and yeah. if it's your sort of film at the risk of sounding horrible like you know as far as like horror goes there's two kind of groups of people and there's people who will probably take like horror in any kind of shape or form that it comes in um and there are people who want to enjoy horror but they want to enjoy horror the same way you enjoy a haunted house ride at a theme park mm-hmm. like they they kind of they, they want your it's chapters one and two and your sinisters and stuff and that's fine like you know more power to you and a lot of those movies have a lot of charm in their own way yeah. um but a lot of other people who are sort of horror fans like sort of you and me like will probably look for something a little bit weird or, or will kind of maybe kind of see like the sort of shortcomings as charms and mm-hmm. stuff if you know what i mean um and horror extends more just beyond the occasional jump scare and the occasional movie monster sometimes it's a concept or sometimes it's an atmosphere it's not always like a ghost or a curse or whatever you know and like that's kind of the one thing i sort of appreciate about these or the robert eggers duology at this stage is that um there are um horror films um last but good consistent character dramas and stories first yeah um as i apparently only just found out recently um robert eggers um done a lot of work in theater um mm-hmm. which is not surprising no like. and it was actually when we were watching them is that both of these films would be easily adaptable to stage and i think that that's yeah. something that really works in its benefit like you know imagine being able to see like a stage show of these yeah That'd i mean great. like i think the witch would be a bit more complicated but obviously like you know I've seen the crucible on stage. I know that it would be quite easy to pull off. So like you know, but especially with the lighthouse, it's very very simple. It's very straightforward. It's very stripped back. Like you know, so anybody could just do it on stage, like with minimal setting and minimal lighting and stuff. Um, and I think that that experience really helps um, his delivery of these movies overall. Is that you know you don't need you can have like special effects, but they're unobtrusive. Um, it's focusing all on performance and it's focusing all on story. Um, and I think it really does work in its favor. Um, and you know we've got another film we'll look forward to soon as well so um, he is working on a third one mm-hmm. um, which is fun um, I have the info here obviously it's going to be um, Viking themed this time yes I do, um, I um, do remember it's called hearing. The Northman um, it's going to star Nicole Kidman Alexander Skarsgård Anya Taylor-Joy again Bill Skarsgård and Willem Dafoe yes. um, he, he's also writing it with a fella called forgive me I'm going to say this wrong um, Sion 
um, an Icelandic poet, novelist, and lyricist. Oh, see, so once again, is is that kind of like work ethic of Robert Eggers? Where like you know, so it, we could probably by the time the Northman comes out, we probably could call this a trilogy, yep. um, which is going to be great. Um, with that sort of like well researched, well documented sort of horror from different angles, from historical um, perspectives and stuff. So yeah, like you know, um, doesn't make it. We don't even have to say if this makes a good double feature because it does. Um, oh, hundred percent. The yeah. Different to our Lee Wynell director episode where, um, you know, two the, like that was two different, very, very yeah. Different. It was a sci-fi and a horror. Although one had the sci-fi did have sort of horror elements in there, and the horror element, the horror movie had a lot of sci-fi, sci-fi in it too. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of fun seeing how you, um, grow as a director. Yeah. Whereas Robert Eggers hasn't changed. Um, which is but, not a bad thing no of course really but his stories yeah. have yeah. and his the delivery of those stories and the presentation of those stories are diff- different which is why I would say it's a good double feature and I hope that I mean I really really do hope um, in a few years we can come back and say that like the Northman sort of polishes off yeah. the trilogy quite well yeah. um, not a lot of these things often work to completion so I can no. only hope that it does and if he wants to keep making movies like this for the rest of his life then you'll more power to him I can't wait to see what else he does yeah. um, I don't even I want to see him do not a horror movie I, well you know yeah you could probably do something else absolutely so yeah no definitely great films and I would highly recommend to everyone that they should go and watch it me too it makes for a great double feature and that's the end of this particular yeah, episode would so... you like to touch upon what we may be doing next time yes let's see two British comedy horror films oh great um yeah actually i'm really looking forward one to this is one. the the one that probably if anyone thinks of the best british comedy horror to ever come out also one of my favorite comedy horrors as a whole yeah i would say uh, so everyone's too. probably you know everyone has a soft spot right I I like i like i don't really trust people that say they hate this film because yeah. it's it's too good like yeah. it's and it's too nice it's yeah. just and the second one is a very good good um sort of. the reason i was kind of pushing for this episode to get made or at least pushing to talk about the second feature in that episode is that um you know the first film is so well known like i don't think i know a single person who hasn't seen it like multiple times or can at least like quote large parts of it from heart this might be the one film i've seen more than any other film ever yeah and same here and not even because i've chosen to watch it but because it's one of those things that you will always find it on some tv channel Mm -hmm. multiple times you know so but the reason that I wanted to do the second part of this particular episode is because it's kind of like there's a great joke article from a hard times where it says um, breaking that one friend you know um, suggests what no what is it um, damn it I'm gonna get the wording wrong um, that's it it's like breaking you should watch Attack on Titan um, if you've never watched an anime before says that one friend who's only watched one anime and like <laughs> this is my problem the second movie is so good that for years i thought i was going absolutely fucking nuts where i was like you need to watch this movie you need to watch this movie it's from the same people it's like it's got the same humor it's got you know it's got everything and nobody was like no i'd rather watch that one again and it's really frustrating where it's like if you like a thing you want more things like mm-hmm. it not just the same thing over and, and over again great, and like... they are really good the second one in particular is really good and i just kind of want to shine a spotlight on it because I, more people need to watch it yeah. and i do agree 100 yeah. because it took me long enough to watch yeah. it um not that I left it too too long but no. it definitely took me a while to watch the second one but yeah you could probably at least guess one of them but that is our next absolutely so So, yeah thanks for coming down this week and we'll see you in the next one yep see you later